Welcome to Full Court Theology. My name is Chase Davis and I am your host. Today I want to spend a little bit of time, I don't think we'll have a long episode today, discussing um, a topic that's been getting a lot of attention in Christianity lately. Uh, I want to kind of go over why that is and offer kind of a perspective that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about and um, and hoping it might be helpful for you as you kind of navigate kind of these some uh, these tumultuous times, you might call them. Um, the topic I want to talk about is narcissism. I want to talk about it in relation specifically to Christianity and more more precisely the issue of narcissism in the pastorate. Um, this is a pretty hot button issue. There's a lot of literature being written, books being published, podcasts being issued on uh, this topic. Um, and so, you know, one of the most recent examples would be the the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Um, and I think it touches on the topic of narcissism. Um, an author who's been writing a lot about it is Chuck DeGroat. And I've read his books on, on this topic, uh, used his books uh, on our staff team to help us really navigate kind of the inner world of people and leaders and how we can help people and minister to people in a, in a helpful manner. I think, first of all, right at the top of the episode, I think we've all, uh, any listeners probably experienced or seen narcissism uh, go badly in the pastorate. You might be able to think of an example or two where narcissism was a problem in a church. And so it might be helpful where, where if we define narcissism. And, I, and right up front, I want to admit that not being a psychologist or anything like that, but being a pastor whose uh, who's kind of main discipline is uh, Christian spirituality, this topic comes up in Christian spirituality because it deals with the self and self-image and personality and uh, theological anthropology. So when I think of narcissism, the way I understand it is an unhealthy preoccupation with how you're perceived, uh, with your own self-image. And so just using that definition, an unhealthy preoccupation with one's own self-image or how you're perceived, it helps us to really um, kind of see like, hey, this is an issue not just for Christian pastors, for leaders. This is an issue for everyone. Um, but like I said, narcissism can be very destructive. And where where it is in leadership, whether it's a church or any kind of organization where there is narcissism, uh, there will be moral rot. There will be kind of a corrosive kind of way about the organization or about the organism or about the body of people where it develops an unhealthy preoccupation with its own self-image. And the organization in the church typically becomes obsessed with its own um, existence instead of the existence of others, or particularly in the church's case, the glorification of God. And instead of glorification of God, it becomes the glorification of the pastor. Now, whether or not at Mars Hill this was an issue, I have friends that were there on the ground that uh, many friends uh, that were there experienced these, this type of issue firsthand. I'm not in a position to necessarily um, mark someone as a narcissist. And I think that's part of the rub that I feel today. And part of the issue that I sense in the church is this word is being used as kind of a, uh, a hammer to hit anything that would uh, seem to be the nail of narcissism. And so this word becomes quickly a catch-all for anything that someone finds distasteful in a leader. Um, I actually found a, a few years ago, um, because this issue has been coming up in evangelicalism particularly, somebody was recommending that if you see your pastor starting to work out more, 
that's a sign that they're becoming a narcissistic pastor. Um, and that's kind of the a, a trite example, but I think it's a, a good example of what I'm seeing across the landscape when, uh, when literature is being produced on this topic. And so all that's kind of a lot of introduction, introduction to the topic that I want to discuss, where it is a problem today. There's a lot of talk about it, and I want to offer some some clarity on the topic so that um, so that you can think more clearly about it biblically, theologically, uh, whatever church you're part of, so that um, when this issue does arise, you can actually deal with it in a helpful manner. I think narcissism is almost inherent to our modern church landscape. Let me explain. Uh, when we platform pastors and leaders who are successfully successful numerically, we encourage a type of narcissism. We encourage uh, younger people to follow the leadership of those people who are viewed as successful in um, in the church's eyes. So there's a lot of organizations who would say, this is not what we do. This is not what we do. We're not about that. But then you notice the only people they platform are people with thousand person churches. And so when you have that kind of culture, it breeds narcissism. It, it attracts and develops people so that they think that success looks like growth and effectiveness in ministry. Uh, you take a bunch of men, young men, and you show them who to be like. And my problem is then you get mad at them for trying to be like those other people. And so there's this weird cycle of shame where we only platform the successful people. Then the successful people get on the stage and shame everyone for trying to be like them. And uh, without repenting themselves of their own kind of narcissistic, and I'm going to use the word tendencies. That's why I'm suspicious with podcasts like The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill is because you have an entire podcast dedicated to tearing down an institution and the reputation of a certain leader that propped him up and celebrated him and almost helped create the man he became by giving him a bunch of airtime. And so, you know, it's just a little uh, disconcerting to see the same institutions that once celebrated someone uh, so apparently successful, then try to turn on them uh, because they're trying to either distance them from him or, or I think genuinely they do think they're trying to be helpful. I think the seeker sensitive movement um, kind of following on the heels of evangelicalism in the mid 20th century produced a narcissistic culture that was obsessed with two things, public image and how it was perceived. So you had, Bill Hybels at Willow Creek going out and asking, what is it you think the church should be? And then trying to craft the church to meet what non-Christians believe the church should be about. Um, and so you have a whole kind of industry, if we can use that word, of church culture that is obsessed with public image and how it's perceived. And so it's a very narcissistic church culture. Narcissistic church cultures attract narcissistic leaders. That's just how it works, who will prop up the public image um, in the world. And so if you have a narcissistic church culture, that's necessarily going to attract people who are more narcissist, who tend more towards narcissistic traits because those church cultures need people who are going to be very concerned with public image and public witness. And so it just, it, it makes complete sense if you think of it that way, that when church culture is developed in such a way so as to be obsessed with public image and how it's perceived by the outside world, that it's going to invariably attract leaders who are very good at doing that. And so you combine those two things. You got kind of an obsession, obsession with church growth, numeric success, 
And then you've got an obsession with uh, public image and how it's perceived in the world. And that's just a recipe to create narcissistic leaders. That's just attracting and developing in subtle ways, people who tend towards narcissism. Um, Now, here's where I want to kind of push back on kind of the narrative, because I think it's easy for a lot of people to take pot shots at leaders. Um, This is true in all ages, but it's really easy to do. My contention is this, that all humans have a degree of narcissism. All humans have a degree of narcissism because narcissism is connected to shame. We see self-consciousness and image-making right after the fall, um, right after sin enters the world through Eve and Adam, and they realize that they are naked and they are ashamed. They become aware of their own exposure. And so this sense of narcissism stems from our inherent feeling of being exposed and vulnerable on this side of the fall. Think of when you feel exposed, like when people know things about you that you did not intend for them to find out, when things are shared with other people, that feeling of shame, um, it, it can produce narcissism in the sense that we want to cover up that shame. We want to hide. Um, and so this, this really enters the scene early on in biblical history where Sin creates an unhealthy preoccupation with self-image. About the first and second commandment are great examples of God trying to reorient his people to not be narcissistic in terms of setting up images other than him. Don't uh, worship other gods other than him. Um, but, but it talks about image making in there because we are already made in someone else's image, the image of Christ. All people are made in the image of Christ. And so God deals with uh, narcissism and shame right in the first and second commandment. What narcissism does is it hides who we are and projects an image to the watching world. And so it becomes this kind of game of deception where we hide things about ourselves and only present certain things about ourselves so that other people will experience a certain part of us. Um, Now, the bind is that we all do this. We all do this. Like we do this relationally. We do this with our words. We do this with who we associate with. We do this in different communities. And so uh, I see Doug Logan on here on Facebook saying mustache ministry. I see you, Doug. And so we all tend to do this. We all have a way of doing this. And I want to give you a prime example going back to the example post-fall is this. We all wear clothes. We all wear clothes. And that's not a bad thing. Like (laughs) That would be a very good thing. The Bible talks about clothing all over the place. We all are concerned with how we look. Like everyone is. Everyone is concerned with how they are presented to the outside world. We all adopt certain styles, certain mannerisms, certain ways of engaging, so that we can project a certain image of who we want to be. In fact, I would put it this way. I am more concerned with someone who who denies that they have no concern over their attractiveness or how they look or how they dress, because as a Christian, that's not a concern of theirs. I'm more concerned with that person than I am with someone who seems to really like to dress nice, dress to impress, who seems to be a little bit too preoccupied with their self-image. I can work with that second person and I can work on 
on humility and, and work on celebrating good clothes. I can work on those kind of things with them biblically. But the person who is so self-deceived that they don't even know that they have narcissistic tendencies, that they don't even know that they dress a certain way in order to be accepted by others, that they don't even know that they're projecting a certain image. I'm more concerned with that person because that's, that's a deep level of self-deception about their own sin tendencies and about their own humanity. That's going to be much harder to do ministry with that person and for that person. Think of it this way. In the garden, God clothes Adam and Eve. He clothes them. Um, he knows their shame. And so they have fig leaves, right? And they make fig leaves. They make some rags, uh, some clothes that don't work for them. And then God comes along. And not only does he clothe them, he He makes the first sacrifice, so to speak. He He slaughters an animal to clothe them, to cover their shame. And so not only does he replace their fig leaves, he gives them better clothes, um, assuming leather, you would think. But he he meets their shame with better clothes. He doesn't endorse their shame. He doesn't endorse narcissism. But he meets their need for safety and a healthy degree uh, of protection and sheltering them uh, from those feelings of exposure and vulnerability and shame that they feel. Now, ultimately, that's pointing towards how we can be rid of our shame in the cross of Christ, how we can be fully known and fully loved by God himself and Jesus Christ. But even then, we see that God is trying to reach those who are concerned with self-image, which is all of us, all of us. Narcissism touches on the desire to look good. Um, I mean, think of, think of it when you have something on your face and no one tells you, or at least you have a friend that will tell you, hey, hey, bro, you got some you got some mustard right here, right? Or you've got something in your teeth. When I got to dinner with my wife and uh, she loves kale. And so she eats kale and it's typically chips, kale chips, which I find not pleasant, but I'll have some. And it always gets in your teeth. And so she's always asking, do I have anything in my teeth? And when she does this, I typically go make a face like, oh, I'm horrified. Like I'm horrified that you're doing that right now. And in order to tease her, like as if it were everywhere in her mouth when typically there's nothing. The point being that we're all concerned with how we appear before others. What narcissism, when it becomes a real problem, is when it's a, a sinful, unhealthy preoccupation with a self-image to the degree that you take yourself so seriously and your self-image so seriously that you start noticing things like, like how embarrassed you get when you misspeak or how, how afraid you feel before other people or how embarrassed you are like, uh, for a guy, if your fly was down and you were in public and that deep feeling of shame, instead of this kind of lighthearted, like, hey, I'm going to dress up, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to look a certain way, I'm going to get a haircut and it's going to look good. And if somebody doesn't like that, that's all right. Um, that would be a healthy degree of kind of self image. What we're talking about is an unhealthy preoccupation to where in a church culture when this takes root, right? If you do something to embarrass the senior pastor who is narcissistic in a sinful way, they typically react in very strong ways, uh, feelings of shame that triggers anger to try to mask the shame. And so you'll get yelled at, you'll get bullied because it's all about public image and public witness in that church culture. So my concern in bringing this topic up isn't that this isn't an issue. My concern is that we're not talking about it deeply enough. We're not really talking about it and how every human deals with this. And we're actually dehumanizing a lot of pastors 
who simply are just trying to maybe dress nice on a Sunday or are concerned. We heard this accusation at our church uh, because we wanted our church signage to look clean and good, uh, you know, because one of our values is excellence. Uh, the accusation of narcissism and, and an unhealthy preoccupation with self-image was leveled against us at, at the well, uh, all because we wanted a nice looking sign. And that's that's what I see a lot of this discourse around narcissism resulting in, is that any pastor exhibits any sign of caring about image or caring about marketing or caring about anything like that, then that's automatically kind of a black mark against that uh, pastor. And so what typically happens is uh, Christians are being equipped to go out and kind of witch hunt for narcissism in churches, looking for any signs. And it creates a pressure cooker environment, a new law against leaders and pastors who are simply concerned with a healthy uh, self-image and how we are perceived by the outside world. There's a way that we should be concerned with, hey, like the Bible talks about if somebody wants to be an elder, they should be well thought of by outsiders. So there's obviously some degree that we should be concerned about how we look or how we're perceived. But it, t- it becomes very problematic and sinful when that is, that is the only barometer by which we're assessing the faithfulness of our ministry instead of the barometer of uh, doctrine, glorifying God, church history, all that kind of stuff. Um, we make it about what other people think of it. And then kind of lastly on this, I think our modern age promotes narcissism through making everyone feel like um, they're a celebrity online. And so it used to be growing up, the uh, the tabloids you'd see at the grocery store that talked about celebrities who were followed around by the paparazzi. Well, with Instagram and Facebook and other means of kind of making yourself a public figure online, um, you've got influencers now. You you have to curate a certain posture online, and so it makes us all into uh, well narcissists to be frank because we're so concerned with self image. What 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 is this person going to think of what I said? What is this person going to think of what I look like? And so we have to curate an image. And I think that our modern age, and I'm, when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about the Enlightenment. On what it does is it makes our bodies into secondary. Uh, issues of importance. So our bodies become less important than the disembodied emotional world and thinking world. This was the the kind of lie of modernism, that what matters most about you is what you think. And the Bible doesn't say it's what you think is, is most important about you. It's that you are connected to God and that you are united in Christ and that you are made in his image, designed for a relationship with God. And And it's not just your soul, but your body as well. Instead, in our modern age, the body gets reduced to a secondary, a place of secondary importance. And so the disembodied, like the emotions or our thoughts, now become the primary means of identity. Instead of our bodies being markers of identity, whether it's gender or other things, now our bodies are simply things to be molded into in order to reflect our interior world to the outside world. And so our modern age is a narcissistic age. It promotes and it calls us back into the garden to be too preoccupied with self-image and self-promotion. And so kind of like, how should we, how should we think about it? I think that we should all admit that we're a bit narcissistic. And if you're unable to admit that, I'm very concerned um, about your own understanding of your own humanity, about how the Bible says that people are made in, in the image of Christ and the results of the fall uh, producing shame and narcissism in people. And so I think we can all take a, a step back and go, you know what, 
I struggle with this. We all struggle with this with an unhealthy preoccupation with self-image. Yet at the same time, we have to acknowledge that being concerned with how you look is not a bad thing. That's not an ungodly thing. Um, the goal, C.S. Lewis put it this way, the goal is not thinking less of yourself because thinking less of yourself can be mer- very narcissistic. It's it's putting yourself down. It's uh, kind of downplaying your own humanity. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I think that's a, a helpful thing. The antidote to narcissism is humility. Is humility. And so that's what we ultimately want to find in, in Christ. We want to find rest in Christ. And we want to find kind of the the virtue of being honest and truthful because narcissism produce produces a type of deception in our lives where we become self-deceived, where we deceive others. We're obsessed with uh, certain narratives about who we are. And so the best way to combat narcissism is first to admit that you have narcissistic tendencies. And that's why I'm saying, look, let's be truthful people. Let's be honest with the fact that like, why do we work out a lot of times? Why do we dress a certain way? Why do we interact with certain people? Because we're concerned with that stuff. Okay, well, now we can actually move forward in truth and community, being honest about what we desire in life, being honest about our own craving for acceptance and promotion and that kind of thing. If we can't even admit that truth, then we will be trapped and burdened and enslaved to narcissism. So this was um, this was kind of a topic that was kind of random seemingly, but also I think it's really important today to talk about this in the church. I think it's an, an issue that not just church people face, but all people face. And ultimately, we're all looking for redemption in Christ from our narcissistic tendencies where, where we're unhelpfully, uh, unhealthily preoccupied in a sinful way with self-image. Thanks for joining me for Foolproof Theology today.